Tonight we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about being transformed. And Jesus has been speaking to me on a personal level about my need to continue being transformed by his spirit, his Holy Spirit. And I've realized afresh, it's a lifestyle choice, a way of living. 18 years ago, Helen and I, we, with our four daughters, we moved into the house that we now live in. And um, when we moved in, we knew it needed a lot of work doing to it. We knew that it needed to be transformed. And over the last 18 years, that's just exactly what we've been doing. See, the problem I have is that Helen, my wife, she has these great ideas. She's got vision. She sees potential improvements where, for me, it just seems fine. And, um, and that happens on a regular basis. I don't know where Helen gets the energy, but I think it would be fair to say that our house is being transformed. I've given it up thinking that it'll ever be completed now. And even this week, Helen sat me down and she had another great idea. And I just quietly thought of, well, where's the money coming for that? The transformation wouldn't be happening, you see, if Helen didn't live in the house. If I lived in the house, it would probably be a shadow of itself. She has vision, creative ideas, a quiet determination to improve our home. The patience to see the transformation through to completion. When we first moved in, you know, there was so much work that was needed to be done. The kitchen was tiny. The bathroom was downstairs. And the garden was just uh, concrete slabs. And the windows were drafty and there there were many other things. But we both had that sense of this could be a great home. We planned to transform the house. And I, at that point, really thought we could do this quite quickly. And obviously I was wrong. You see, the transformation has been an ongoing process. And there's been many highs and many lows along the way. And I've made some big mistakes. Catch me afterwards if you want to hear about those. It's been a great home. We've raised our four daughters. You know, it's been a home for um, and many foster children that we've had in our care. My grandson comes for a sleepover now and again. But we have had things to deal with. We've had floods. We even had a small fire at one point. And the, we've had the disruption of the building work, the roof repairs. Just recently I was up clearing out the gutters. But as I look back over the last 18 years, it's been so worth it. The hard work, the sacrifice, the transformation has been incredible. You see, now the Bible talks about a different kind of transformation. It talks about us being transformed by the Holy Spirit. You see, our life is the house that Jesus wants to live in and to transform by his Holy Spirit. He has vision, creative ideas, a quiet determination to improve our life, the patience to see that transformation through to completion. And the question that I'm hoping that you'll ask yourselves is, are we ready for the next transformation that Jesus wants to uh, undertake in our lives? Now, for some of you, you may never have started this journey, and my question would be, are you ready for that very first decision to allow Jesus to come and live in your life and start to transform your life. 
there are many areas in our life that you know, we'd like to see transformed. But I'm just wanting you to remember that it's not something we do. Spiritual transformation is something God does in us. Now, we may be struggling with jobs, or we may be struggling with your studies. There may be something more personal. It might be an addiction or a bad habit that you're really just tired of. There may be money issues that you're trying to deal with. Or it could be some sort of relational breakdown that's going on, whether that's with family, friends, or perhaps even at work. But maybe that behavior that's not that serious, but you'd love to see change. Just, just something that you do. To, tonight, I really do think God wants to meet with us and help us. Um, almost, I've got this sense of almost a, a boost start as we enter the new week, uh, giving us fresh hope. Let's see what the Bible has to say about being transformed. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 18. It'll come up on the screens. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we choose to become followers of Jesus, you see, we're inviting Jesus to live in us by his Holy Spirit. But you see, our home is really our hearts, our minds, and our soul. That's the, the place that we are spiritual beings And first of all, we have that one-off transformation where we start that journey and we give our lives to Jesus and we become a new creation. But then there's the ongoing transformation that happens. And that's where many of us sort of, we go lukewarm, we we get drawn back into ways of the world that don't help us. See, Jesus starts to make suggestions about changes that we might want to consider in our lives. And sometimes we have the same reaction that I have to Helen's suggestions of transformations to the house. Oh no. And then you can't be serious until I then catch the vision. And I think Jesus wants to talk these ideas over with us. But he waits for us to make the decision. You see, it's always a choice. Jesus wants us to grow spiritually, but he won't force us. He wants us to become more like him. So that our lives will point to him. So that others will see Jesus in us. So that our city or our community will be impacted, transformed, to be more godly. Let me just briefly explain why that second letter of, to the Corinthians was written by Paul, the apostle. You see, false teachers had infiltrated the Corinthian church... And they were challenging Paul's authority and challenging his teaching as an apostle. They wanted to lead the church and they wanted to change the gospel message. They wanted to go back to rules and regulations, to a more Jewish expression rather than faith in Jesus. And they wanted to go back to laws that had been given them by Moses. So that's why that first verse 16 But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You see, the veil is a reference to the time that Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments 
inscribed on two tablets, and God had handwritten those. And they were the, the, the law that then the Jewish people were commanded to live by. And if they kept the law, they would live. And if they didn't keep the law, there would be death. It was the old covenant, the old agreement, the Old Testament agreement. Moses, you see, when he was walking down, having spent time in God's presence, he was radiant with God's glory. And they had to put a veil over his face because even though the the glory was fading, they couldn't cope with seeing God's glory reflected in him. Now, Jesus brought in the new covenant, the new agreement. And we are now free to approach God's glory with unveiled faces. You see, Jesus is God's glory. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, we have a new way to approach God because of who Jesus is and what he offers. He offers new life, spiritual life, eternal life. Our faith is not about keeping the law, hoping that we'll be good enough for God. So what is our faith about? What can we expect to happen to us as we commit our lives to following Jesus, as we allow Jesus to live in us by his Holy Spirit. We can expect that as we commit to that, we will start to be transformed. And that process will be ongoing. But we're being transformed into his likeness. So what does being transformed mean? I texted one of my daughters, Bethan, and asked her what she thought about being transformed. And she said this, Hmm, interesting. What does it mean? To me, it suggests that actually we don't have to strain to be glorious and holy and like God. That all you need to do is to be open to God and spend time basking in his glory. And then it kind of rubs off on you. It's more about the attitude of your heart and unveiling it to God. But what do you think, Dan? My Bible interpretation is probably not what it used to be. Ha ha. Then she said, it feels like so often it gets overcomplicated and stressful. Whereas actually God makes it so simple for us. Now, this was a proud dad moment for me. I simply was stunned by that response. Um, And I just thought, she's really got insight here. I even asked her if she wanted to start writing sermons, and uh, she just laughed at me. But I think Bethan is right. We don't have to strain and strive to be like Jesus. All we need to do is be open to God and spend time basking in his glory. And then it kind of rubs off on us. And that's why here at Trent, and also in, in the Vineyard Church, worship is so important. We have time to just bask in God's glory. God inhabits the praises of his people. It's amazing what God does in worship. I love the way Bethan said, it's more about the attitude of your heart and unveiling it to God. What would unveiling your heart to God mean for you tonight? 
Is there something or some way in which you've let a veil come between you? For me, I've been praying about this and thinking about what it means to be transformed and what are the things that are blocking me getting to be more like Jesus. And I realized that Jesus is wanting to transform me daily into his likeness. It's not this sudden process and then it's done. And so recently, Jesus has been drawing me into a new phase of my life. And it's a phase which is exciting, scary, very challenging. You see, I'm officially now in the second half of my life. I know that may come as a shock to some of you. More the shock that, how didn't you realize this some time ago, Tom? But there is a sense in which God's been speaking to me about being about spending more time with him. You see, up until the age of 50, my Christian life was more about doing than being. I'm naturally an activist. I want to see things happen. I like to be involved in making things happen. And yet there's been this inner dissatisfaction growing you know, over the last few years. And I've really struggled with that up until recently. And the more secure I become as a child of God, that identity that I have as a child of God, knowing that God loves me, knowing that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross to pay for my sins, to pay for our sins, I really know that deeply. Knowing that Jesus rose again to conquer death, I know that. To give us eternal life as a free gift, if we will choose to accept that, his offer of be, to be born again, to be born spiritually, I deeply know those truths. So why the dissatisfaction? Well, the more I f- feel prompted in the light of that knowledge that I need to grow spiritually, to be transformed even more by him. You see, I'm hungry to see more of what God can do especially spiritually, which I know I can't make happen by my doing. I long to see Jesus healing more people, setting more people free, speaking more clearly to people through prophecy or words of encouragement. And yet as that hunger grows, God has been asking me a question. Am I willing to change? Because that's where the rubber hits the road. Am I willing to spend more time with him? Because I can't make those changes happen by myself. I've started to see a 71-year-old retired vicar. I was quite sceptical when I first went to see him. And he's helping me go deeper with God. And his first question was, how are you with silence? Now, to an extrovert, that's a nightmare question. Um... But it's interesting that it really got me thinking. Because he explored with me how I do my prayer life and and how I relate to God. And then he gave me this challenge. He said, I want you to spend time, before you read the Bible, because I explained I'm a morning person, I tend to sit and read the Bible. I've been making God a cup of tea for years and uh, he still hasn't drunk one. I'm really puzzled by that, but... um, it's just, and so, but he challenged me to do something before that. I thought, okay. He said, I want you to sit in silence, spending time, 
looking at God who's looking at me with love. So let me just repeat that. He wants me to sit in my front room in the morning, looking at God, sitting on my sofa, and God's looking back at me with love. Right, sounds simple. I'll give it a go. First time I did that, it didn't take very long before I was flat on my face, before God, just this awesome sense of uh, how I don't deserve that love. And yet I'm so grateful for God's love. You see, it's a heart thing. And what he was trying to get me to do, don't just connect with God at the head. Take time to connect heart to heart with God. And that's difficult because it doesn't come naturally to us, especially if we're busy. Jesus wants that heart relationship with every one of us. The question is, are we prepared to take those steps and allow him to connect in that way? See, maybe today God's prompting you to make a decision to allow him to transform you. And maybe you have to rethink how you spend time with God. And it may be that you've never realized that there's a step you need to take. That you might believe in God or you're considering that. But actually, there's a step you need to take before God will come in. You need to open the door. And uh, there's the, the Why Jesus and the, the Changing Life booklets at the doorways. Or if you want to sort of come up to the front for prayer or speak to someone at the Connect or come and have a chat with me afterwards. Love to, to tell you about that first step. But for those of us who have already taken that step, are we willing to continue being transformed? Because we have to cooperate with Jesus. We can't just expect it to happen while we're busy about our day. About a month ago, I asked Jesus to help me with something. And I've been quite stunned by the results. You see, I just got tired of being out of shape. And I'm a bit of a yo-yo on this one. I've done this before, but it's sort of a, I'm in a new season with this. And I said, Lord, would you help me develop self-discipline? And uh, I've been exercising regularly. Not my nightmares with my eating habits. I like food. It's, you know, uh, enormously. I could say it's gone from to an obsession at times. But... And, and I knew that in my own strength, I'm not going to conquer this. Anyway, I've been amazed over the last sort of four weeks. I've really enjoyed cheerfully engaging with that and being more responsible and seeing the results. And I'm disappearing. It's wonderful. Uh, not as fast as I'd like to, but anyway. But, um, but also, it's had an impact. The exercise and, and looking out how I'm eating, those disciplines have also helped me be more disciplined spiritually. They sort of go together. So how does being transformed happen? Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. 
You see, here we're encouraged to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, pleasing to God, and that's our true and proper worship. And we're told to conform, not to conform to the pattern of this world, and that is more of a challenge than many of us realize. We can so easily drift into believing the things that we're being bombarded with from all angles. But it's by the renewing of our minds that we start to be transformed. You see, it's a choice. How we think is a choice. It may not feel like that. And if we just follow our feelings and allow those to direct our decisions, we'll really get into a mess. And when we see the link between how we think and um, you know, what happens to us, how we behave. So I know for me, I've had to embrace this positive attitude towards you know, eating. And I'm doing it cheerfully and willingly, and I know it's a choice, rather than a sort of, oh. So I just, for some of us, that's more of a battle than for others. But there is that link. Let's look at the word transformed. And um, what we're going to do here, we've jumbled up some letters, and we're going to look at them individually. The T is for trouble. Now, we shouldn't be surprised when we have trouble. John 16.33 says this. Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's not you might, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Have you noticed how willing we are to consider being transformed when we're in trouble? It's remarkable. We find ourselves in trouble whether it's our own fault or somebody else or a circumstance that we've been out of our control, and then we recognize we need help, and sometimes we need expert help. Now, 10 years ago, I had a problem, about 10 years ago, and uh, we had rats in our home, well, outside our home, in our garden, and I just tried to ignore the problem, proper male response to the situation, hoping that they would just go away. I convinced myself that they were living in next door's sort of outhouse and that they were just visiting our garden. So it's not really my responsibility, I was thinking. And then one morning, I went to put the rubbish in the outside wheelie bin and I opened the lid, threw the bag in as normal uh, and then just pushed it down, as you do, try and fill the bin. What a shock I got when from the back corner up popped a, a rat's head and I looked at him, and he was looking at me, and he looked really put out. It was almost as if he was saying to me, Oi, what are you doing? Can't you see I'm busy here? Leave me alone, I'm hungry. And I just sort of froze, slammed the bin down, thought, right, that's it. At that point, I knew I needed expert help. I had no idea what to do. Um, so I called the local pest control from the, the council and they sent out the rat catcher. What a character. He had some fantastic stories to tell. <laughs> I just can't go into those. <laughs> so tempted. Anyway, but it wasn't until I acknowledged that I was in trouble and I had to ask for help before I could see that change, that transformed. And my, my question to you, tonight is what trouble are you in and it might be physical it might be emotional it might be some sort of relational problem 
could be financial. The point is, God really wants to help tonight. And he's, he's, he wants to walk this through. The R is for revelation. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. You see, being spiritually transformed requires God to speak to us so that we can know what we need to do. And that's why reading our Bibles is so important. Uh, you know, I, I, I've got the Bible on my iPad and I don't mind whether you use a book or, or whatever, however you do it, I'd encourage you to read more because that's where we will find godly wisdom. And if we rely on worldly wisdom, we'll just get into more trouble. But the Bible has wise instructions for us. The A is for awareness. As we grow in our awareness of our limitations, we grow in our ability to choose to trust Jesus. It was only when I realized that I was struggling with self-discipline that I could ask Jesus for help. I had to be aware of my need. What help do, do you need from God? Is he challenging you to consider some sort of change in your lifestyle? The N is for now. Have you noticed that when you sense an invitation from Jesus or a prompting, we have to make a decision, don't we? See, Jesus never forces us to do something. But if we put it off, the opportunity begins to just disappear. So instead of beginning being transformed, we just slip back into our old way of living. And the point is, we don't know when God will prompt us again. We don't know when he'll take the initiative. So I would encourage you, respond. Don't leave it to another day. Today is a day for some of us to cooperate with God and allow him to begin that transformation. But remember, he's waiting for our permission to do so. S is for spirit-led. It's important that we remind ourselves that this process of being transformed into the likeness of Jesus is led by the Spirit of God. It's not led by the law. Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, we're part of God's family, and that's why we're Spirit-led. So there's another verse here, Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So we're not restricted to rules and regulations. And we need to realize we're part of God's family. Even Jesus was led by the Spirit when he walked on this earth. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You see, F is for freedom. And I've been a Christian now for 36 years. And I've experienced an increasing freedom as Jesus has been transforming me. In some ways, I feel more of a beginner than right at, at the start. But I think it's just because there's an overwhelming sense of how glorious God is and how um, there's so many layers of us to be transformed. But in my early years, there were a few distinct things that I found freedom for very quickly that took me by surprise. The first one for me was I just overnight, the fear of death was just gone. And for any of us here whether we're Christian or not, if you've got a fear of death, we love to pray for you. 
because Jesus wants you to be free of that fear. The second thing, slightly embarrassing for me, was uh, just my bad language changed overnight. You know, it was just suddenly people were surprised around me. Now, this is many years ago, obviously, my student days, but suddenly it just wasn't there. I was suddenly at peace with myself. That was a whole new experience for me. I start, you know, a few years into following Jesus, I stopped smoking. But again, I tried over years, three times in my own strength, and lasted a year or 18 months and then crashed. But there came a point when I just felt God prompt me in church one night. Are you ready? Do you want prayer? And uh, I went up and it's been 30 years. It just wasn't an effort. I know that's not true for everybody, but for some of us, we might be set free that way. And the last one for me, I just stopped worrying about money and about my life. Now, some of those issues will really resonate with some of you tonight. And we love just to to ask for God's anointing so that you can see some breakthrough. The O is for outward. We know that we're being transformed because we begin to look outward to the needs of those around us. People in need, people in trouble, family, friends as well. Others will notice this. We start to be generous cheerfully. We start to love people even when they don't deserve it. And that's the whole point of being transformed. Being transformed into his likeness means that Jesus will be obvious to people. They'll see him in us, in the love we have. It's like we're running on a different fuel. Instead of running our lives on being anxious and in a rush and busy, we suddenly have the fuel of love, God's love. You see, as our house was being transformed, Helen and I, we had the joy of seeing Jesus transform many lives in our home as we hosted small groups over the years. As we are outward looking, you just sort of get filled up afresh. The R is for real really in our relationships, as we're transformed, we mature and we start to be more open, vulnerable, honest, not just with others, with ourselves as well. And we can only do this because we become more secure in who we are in Jesus. We're part of God's family. He's for us. We stop hiding our failures and we stop performing for God. We become willing servants, not just to God, but to one another. We're transformed by being involved in each other's lives, whether that's at home with our family, whether that's at work, or whether in the life of the church here, that might be through small groups or serving in the church in some way, or maybe by doing the discipleship year for some. But we, it's all about becoming more real, more authentic. M is for motivated. We start to discover our unique purpose, and that energizes us and enables us to relate to those around us. We find we have the motivation that we've longed for, the motivation to embrace that goal of becoming more like Jesus. You know, the excitement that kicks in when we realize that we're partnering with God and we see the results. The ease for every day, being transformed by Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, it's a sort of, it's an everyday event. We just need to keep coming back to Jesus and involving him in our everyday lives. You see, every day, Helen and I, we have to do things around our home um, to keep it in order. 
cleaning, tidying, emptying the bins, doing the washing up. It's just a quiet, daily, ongoing transformation that if we neglect it, the, the home soon, soon becomes a tip. And as we pray, as we spend time with Jesus daily, we are quietly being transformed. We may not notice it, but if we don't do it, we just drift back into um, just the old state if we're not careful. And finally, D is for die. Now this one is the strangest thing that we experience because so often something has to die before we see, some, before we see significant transformation. The Bible talks a lot about laying down our lives, dying to self, putting down our own agendas. And tonight I wonder, are we being challenged to sacrifice something that's getting in the way of time with Jesus? It could be TV, golf, Facebook, it may be some sort of video gaming or some other distraction. It's not bad or wrong in itself, but we're just overdoing it and neglecting our time with God. Recently, a friend of mine was telling me how God had asked him to give up playing golf because he was, it was starting to become a God to him. He was starting to play three times a week, every waking moment, and he just realized he, he, he was neglecting his relationship with God. I mean, maybe there's some other things in our lives that need to be transformed. It could be our attitudes or our priorities, we may struggle with maybe pride, forgiveness or unforgiveness, anger or being selfish. Or There's a whole host of things that if you're not happy with, maybe that's a sign that Jesus wants to work with you on it. So just a reminder of, of the key part of 2 Corinthians 3.18. It'll just come up. And we all are being transformed into his likeness. That's the core message tonight. We have so much to enjoy now, but we also have so much to look forward to, which makes the sacrifice worthwhile. The last verse of the night, Philippians 3, 20 to 21. But our, and this, I love this, it's inspiring and hope-filling. Life-giving, these verses. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We're going to get new bodies one day. For Helen and I, seeing our house being transformed over the years into a home, it's been a wonderful adventure We've learnt a lot, but it's temporary. The way our lives have been transformed by Jesus over the years, that's been a wonderful adventure too. But that's preparing us for eternity. It's been so worth the pain and sacrifice, and there's so much more to come as we allow ourselves to be transformed into his likeness. I don't know whether Dan's able to get that picture up. I think there's a picture coming up of a pot. Here we go. Now this is called kintsugi. It's a Japanese form of pottery. And when we had that word at the end, it reminded me of this. And what happens is a pot that's broken gets smashed. And that sort of represents our life. The potter, it's an art form. They put it back together using gold powder. 
to restore it and make it more beautiful. It's just a picture of God, what God wants to do with our lives as he transforms us and restores us.